friends. Welcome to the Creative Impact Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Caldwell, and I'm so happy you're here. Each episode, I take some time to chat with fellow artists about life, faith, and the impact of the arts. The organization feeds off of their leader, right. whether it's a dance team director, a coach, yeah. or a campus or a district administrator. The organization feeds off the leader. Mm-hmm. So it is important that as that leader that I take, and it's not always easy. There's good days, there's bad days, Mm -hmm. but my messaging must remain consistent. Happy Thanksgiving week, everyone. I love this time of year where we take some time to reflect on what we're grateful for. One thing that I'm super thankful for is every single one of you who are listening and joining us for this Positive Team Culture series. It's been such a joy for me to get to connect with each of these guests, and I hope that it has been filling you up as well. For those of you who may just be joining us, throughout the month of November, we're focusing on developing and cultivating a positive team culture. While the context of this series is dance team culture, the content is definitely applicable no matter what kind of team you're a part of. I love conversations that I've been able to have with some of our listeners about how this is applying to their lives in other organizations and as leaders and business owners. Today's episode is part four of this series, and I love that it's during Thanksgiving week because I'm so thankful for our guest today, Lakeisha McGowan. Lakeisha is one of those people that just brings the energy with her wherever she goes, and she has so much experience to share with us today. Her background includes experience as an educator and dance team director, as well as an administrator, and she also has experience working with Crowd Pleasers Dance, which is a camp and competition company. She's worked across multiple school districts in a variety of settings and brings just really great perspective. We talk about leadership, signs of a healthy versus unhealthy team culture, and topics that are super relevant to teams like accountability, celebrating as a team, conflict resolution, and relationship building. I think you guys are going to love this conversation. And I would love to hear from you. So if you've been listening to the series or just started today, I would love to hear your thoughts if you want to reach out on Facebook or Instagram at Creative Impact Podcast. We have one more week in this mini series. And then the week following that, the first week of December, I'll be sharing in detail about my new book, Healthy Relationships Equals Healthy Team. So excited for all that's in store. And I'm super grateful that you joined us today. Enjoy my conversation with Lakeisha McGowan. Super, super excited to be here with Lakeisha McGowan. And I am just so inspired by you, Lakeisha, and so excited to get to have you share your wisdom with us today on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much, Rachel. I am truly honored, as always, to be able to share and talk um, about dance and education and being a dance team director and just being an educator in general. So thank you so much for having me. Yes. And just to give our listeners a bit of your background and kind of an introduction. Lakeisha received her degree in dance from Stephen F. Austin State University, where she was a member of the SFA Repertory Dance Company. She also earned a master's of educational administration from Prairie View A&M University. She began her directing career at Hightower High School in Fort Bend ISD. Woohoo, Fort Bend. Yeah. <laughs> yes, always love for Fort Bend. Yes. 
And then she also ended up being the founding director of the Seven Lakes High School Dance Department in Sapphire's dance team in KDISD. So she ended up, I think that's, and we'll talk about this some more about where you ended up shifting into administration Mm -hmm. in 2008, which is super cool. And then also the director of fine arts in Alvin ISD. Now she is currently the assistant director of fine arts in Katie ISD, which is really incredible. And kind of aside from that, she also has worked for Crowd Pleasers, which is a dance contest and camp company providing all sorts of amazing resources and is just very active in the dance community as a whole. So I just appreciate you and all of the the work that you've done over the years to help build up dance programs and education around the state of Texas and Houston in particular. Thank you so much, Rachel. Yeah. So I guess let's jump right in. Is there anything else you want to share with our listeners just to introduce yourself? No, I think you pretty much covered everything I have done. Lots of things from dance, being a dance educator to being a campus and a district administrator, and then working, as you said, with crowd pleasers as um, an executive director of events for them. So um, I do spread over a wide range of things that I have seen over the last 20 years, um, but I do feel blessed to have been able to have all of those experiences and still have those experiences right now as I continue to grow myself as a professional and just kind of make an impact on the dance industry. Yes. Just curious. How did you first get into the dance world? I don't know that I know this. You know, I started off dancing at a very young age, of course, like most little girls being, you know, a ballerina taking tap and, and jazz and really grew to love dance Mm -hmm. and went on to be a, a high school dance team member officer on my high school dance team. And I think that by the time I was a junior in high school, I knew that I wanted to be a dance team educator, Mm -hmm. um, dance educator, dance team director. I always thought that I would teach kindergarten. I always wanted to be a teacher um, since a very young age. Okay, cool. But then the more I got engulfed in dance and dance team, I knew I liked the camaraderie. I liked the teamwork. And I knew that I wanted to be a part of that at the high school level. And so I went on to Stephen F. Austin. And like you said, I majored in dance as an educator, dance education, should I say. And I knew at that time, Rachel, that that when I was getting ready to come out of college, I needed to find where would I be plugged in at to be an educator. Mm. I look at education as that value of giving back. Because we all know we're not in it for the dollars, right? Right. (laughs) You know, we are in it for much more than that. And so I knew that I wanted to go go that particular route. And so then I was blessed to, um, in 2000, my very first job was at Hightower Mm -hmm. High School in Fort Bend ISD as a a dance educator and the director of the highlights. And I was provided that opportunity at the young age of 21 not knowing exactly what I was doing. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Just jump, jump but, diving right in <laughs> to the deep end. I jumped. Yeah, I jumped right in. But I I will have to tell you and give a shout out to some very influential people that helped me along that way as I carved out what my path would look like as a dance educator. And those those ladies are Doreen Laurie, Betsy Heathcock, Angela Hayes. They they kind of swiped me underneath their wing and kind of guided me through those first couple of years of being a dance educator yeah, and a dance team director. Some incredible women right there. So thinking back on your time as a dance team director, 
What were some of the most impactful moments for you? I think that the most impactful moments for me were watching those that were underneath my wing, watching them grow, watching them develop passion for for the art of dance, watching them celebrate small successes. When I when I joined the team at Hightower, we had challenges, challenges to come into our own. Hightower had been open for a year before I became the director. So it was a fairly new school. And so how do you set the standards? How do you set the culture? How do you determine what success looks like? Mm -hmm. So impact for me was watching all of those things take shape and, and seeing the pride on the face of the dancers that I was in charge of. You know, whether it was in my dance class and developing those relationships and really fostering those, or whether it was with my dance team members and building those relationships and watch them grow as leaders, as dancers, um, was was really impactful for me. And made that makes for a happy heart, if you will. For sure, for sure. So what was it that led you to become an administrator then when you kind of made that shift out of the classroom and kind of into that administration side? So several years into being a dance educator, I realized that I wanted to do different type of leadership at some point. I wanted to be a, a fine arts director was yeah. an ultimate goal for me. And so I knew that, okay, well, I'm going to have to go back to school, get my master's in administration. And I did that whole bit. And when I got over to Seven Lakes, jump over there several years yeah. into my career and I get and I had the opportunity to open the school and start a dance program and start the dance team and start the cheerleaders and mm-hmm. I did all the spirit side of it for for the campus. I knew then that I wanted and had a passion to become a campus administrator. Cool. And so I took all of those necessary steps, built some relationships with my campus principal, who is now the current superintendent in Fort Bend ISD, Dr. Christy Whitbeck. Oh, yeah. Kinda took me underneath her wing as my campus principal and allowed me to do lots of shadowing activities, mm-hmm. um, allowed me to to dive into what campus administration would entail. And shortly after that, three years in, I became an assistant principal at Seven Lakes High School. Mm-hmm. And I, I loved being on the campus. I loved the I loved the relationships. I loved the challenge. I loved that I was able to interact with kids that were different than the kids I saw in my dance gym. Mm-hmm. Always good kids, but dealing with issues that sometimes I wasn't prepared for. Mm-hmm. So it was a challenge for me to step outside of my comfort zone and not just deal with, oh, it's all success and everyone in my gym is doing what I tell them to do every single time. Mm-hmm. This was all level managing teachers and students. And so I that's the reason why. And then that's the, the pathway yeah. um, and, and the things that I got to do as a campus administrator. Um, and then shortly after that, everything is shortly for me. <laughs> um, I had the honor and privilege to go to Alvin ISD. Mm-hmm. as their first fine arts administrator oh, wow. in 2012. And they had never had a fine arts administrator in in Alvin. And I was the first person. Wow, that is an honor for sure. Yeah, it was an honor. And start that. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and I didn't, again, didn't know what I didn't know. 
(laughs) But I learned a lot along the way. And I always knew that in that role, my only job was to support, 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 support my teachers so that they can support their kids, Mm -hmm. build solid foundations so that arts in Alvin would be seen as some of the best in the state. And that was my goal while I was there for the time that I was in Alvin ISD. That's great. And was that where you kind of helped develop middle school dance as well? Yes, ma'am. That is correct. So when I joined the team in Alvin ISD, we did not have junior high middle school dance. And so that was, of course, one of the things that, again, I feel very passionate about if we're going to have programs that we can really build upon and have feeder patterns and, and really cultivate all of the arts, I felt that very important. So yes, put together a proposal for our school board and for our HR department as to how we could pilot and phase junior high dance into the district. It originally Mm -hmm. started off as a few teachers, three schools, two teachers, and they were splitting those schools and going in teaching one class period each. Mm -hmm. And then eventually it grew into now they have junior high dance in all of the junior high schools in Alvin ISD with one teacher um, at each of their campuses. So yes, that is where I first saw that vision. I mean, working with those wonderful dance educators that are down in Alvin ISD and several of them are still there to make that become a reality yeah, for them. Yeah, that's wonderful. I was over here like clapping. <laughs> you can't see that, but it's so cool. Oh, yeah. and I, I think that makes a huge difference yes, having ma'am. the support all the way through and starting to build and develop that passion and those skills earlier, you know, and that they can just kind of get into that program is really crucial and really exciting for sure. So absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So how have your experiences as a director, one, and also as an administrator, kind of seeing both sides shaped your perspective on leadership? You know, as a director, I think that experience in leadership, it kind of is the same as being an administrator. Mm -hmm. As a director, we are in charge of our own programs. We're in charge of cultivating our programs. We are in charge of the culture, the climate, Mm -hmm. the consistency, the discipline, you know, the programming. We're in charge of all of it as directors. Mm -hmm. And as a campus or district level administrator, it's it's pretty much it's kind of the same, right? And so I think that when I was a director, I looked at my leadership as I have to set the tone. I have to set the example. I have to make sure that I am consistent so that the messaging is seen clear for everyone that is a part of my organization, as well as those that were outside of my organization. Right. And as an administrator, it's no different. I want to still make sure Mm -hmm. that I am clear on what the expectations are, that I am consistent in my messaging so that those that are inside and outside can see, okay, this is how this person is as a leader. This is how she always is, Mm -hmm. you know, and I never have to wonder or or guess and that the organization feeds off of their leader, right? whether it's a dance team director, a coach or a campus or a district administrator, the organization feeds off the leader. Mm -hmm. So it is important that as that leader, that I take, and it's not always easy. There's good days, there's bad days, Mm -hmm. but my messaging must remain consistent. So good. Yes. And that's a great kind of segue into what we're really 
focusing in on during this month in this little podcast mini series is the idea of building a positive team culture and really like you said, cultivating that. So just first off, kind of at a basic level, what do you think is the value of being part of a team? You know, I think the value of being a part of a team is one that you cannot put a number to. Mm-hmm. I think that when you are a part of a team, it teaches you so many invaluable lessons that you will use throughout your entire life. Sometimes it is troubleshooting different types of personalities and how do I navigate that? There are times when I have to learn that it's not about me. It's about everybody else. Yes, And that's okay. Sometimes I have to learn humility that I have to back down. I think we learn the relationships are the biggest piece of anything that we do. You have to build strong, solid relationships, but also understand that because there's a great relationship, that does not necessarily mean that that's problem free. Mm -hmm. We still have to be able to navigate any of those issues that might come our way. So, I mean, I said all of that in in a roundabout way, but I really think that that value of being on a team is one that everybody should experience Mm -hmm. because it only helps you in the long run. We don't work in silos. We always need to learn how to work together as a team of people, especially in the society that we live in today. Yeah, for sure. Definitely totally agree with that. And why do you think it matters to have a positive team culture? So above and beyond just being part of a team, you know, creating that positive team culture. I think that positive team culture, Rachel, is so important because who wants to be a part of something negative, right? Right. <laughs> um, yeah. I think that that it matters because I'm going to say this. I don't want us to tie success into a positive team culture. Mm, yeah. Okay. I think that sometimes we get those two things confused. That if we're if we have this success, then everything is great and we're all positive, right? Mm. But it should be that way all the time. So when you foster this positive team culture, it is one in which the people that walk into your organization, into your dance room, into your dance gym, they feel good about being in the space. Mm -hmm. They feel good about the work that they are doing together. They're able to hold each other accountable, but still support each other. So that's where I think having that positive team culture is so important because you, and if issues arise, we have to tackle those head on. We can't brush them under the rug and pretend that they don't exist. We have to call them out and we have to deal with them. Let teaching these young ladies and gentlemen how to handle conflict and resolve it Mm -hmm. is part of having and creating that positive culture. We have a culture where we celebrate. We have a culture where we hold each other accountable. We have a culture where it may not always be a great day, but this is what we're going to do to get through these obstacles. Nothing in life is perfect. So we don't want smoke and mirrors. We want it to be authentic. Mm -hmm. We want to create authentic relationships. When you do that and we all have a common goal, then you can begin to shape what that culture looks like and move forward. 
to creating positive culture within your teams. Yes, I think there's so much power in that. And when people feel like this is authentic, it's not, like you said, not this sort of front that we're putting out there, but we actually are here. We're for each other. You know, we're in this together and we're moving forward. Any other factors that you can think of that sort of impact team culture? I feel like you mentioned a few within that, but if there's anything else that comes to mind. No, Rachel, I think that I kind of summed it up. I really think really authenticity and directors and leaders really being at the forefront of taking the lead as that person running that organization to set the standard, set the tone, be consistent, and they will model exactly what we, as the leaders of their organization, of their team, they're going to model what we do. Yes, yes. So what do you feel like are maybe some warning signs of an unhealthy team culture? And you know, what are things that coaches, directors, leaders can be looking out for? And like, oh, I should probably address that. I think we all know. I know we have a lot more gentlemen that are joining our dance teams and our programs um, right. now than before, because mostly it was us, you know, girls. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and so I still will go this direction with my response. When we see that drama might start, we have to stop it. Mm-hmm. Whether that's starting with our officer lines and trickling down to our team, we have to step in. So often we just want it to go away. Mm-hmm. So we don't want to hit it head on and address it. I don't think that's the approach. I think we have to absolutely address it. I think the other part of when you're addressing these issues that you might see come up is we have to address it with parents mm-hmm. as well. Do not be afraid to include them as stakeholders. They are stakeholders. So include them in the conversations. We can't shy away from from having and building those relationships as well. So I think some of the warning signs are when the drama is beginning, we have people that want to operate in silos. When you have a member that tells you they don't feel like they're a part of the team or that they aren't included, don't blow it off as that's just that one person. I think that we have to really dig deep and find out is this a consistent problem or is this just an individual? And I'm sorry, it's not a win for me if I have one person that feels like they're not welcome or a part part of the organization. Mm -hmm. So you have to go to every necessary step to try. And if you've tried and it's still not happening for that one person, then okay, but at least you've tried. So I think when you have people that don't feel welcome, want to want to operate in silos when you're losing team members and you don't know why when they're not signing up to be a part of your program that's an issue mm-hmm. it is our job to engage these kids while they are in school 9th through 12th grade that's our job engage them get them actively involved figure out how to keep them give them something to look forward to that is what we are supposed to do And so I think that you have to look at your data. You look at your data. If you notice that your numbers are starting to fall, you need to take a strong step back Mm -hmm. and try to figure out why is this happening? Talk to your kids. Why are your friends not wanting to be a part of the organization? You ask kids, they will tell you 100% of the time everything that you need to know. 
Ooh, yes, yes. That's really helpful. And what you said about, you know, not being afraid, I think one to ask the kids, you know, and get their feedback. And then also, like you said, to get parents involved. That's something I feel like I learned a lot watching administrators actually, because, you know, there's that constant reminder of (laughs) make sure you're calling parents, make sure you're talking to parents. And really it's an incredible shift that happens when you build those relationships. And I started to find over time, okay, if I can build those relationships in a positive way early on, and then, you know, when those problems come up or those conflicts or struggles that students are going through, that it's so much easier to talk to the parent, you know, and not feel like I'm just coming out of the blue with this like issue that's happening, you know? So anything else you want to share on that? No, you are, you are spot on. And for, for our dance educator friends that are listening to this spot on, if you build the relationships up front, when it's time to tackle the tough issues, they become a lot easier. Because it's easier for me to pick up the phone and say, hello there. I know that we've spoken before and it's always been great things. This time I do have one concern. Mm -hmm. How can we work together to ensure that what you want for your student and what I want for your student can ultimately happen? Right. Yeah. So I do think that that's super important. So you hit that spot on. Thank you. Yeah. It's definitely one of those things. And it was still, you know, it still can be a struggle just because there's a lot happening and you're dealing with so many different, you know, aspects of the program. But I think that's one of those, like you said, that's going to make things so much easier later and save you time in the long run. (laughs) And stress, I guess, maybe save stress in the long run. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. I would love to kind of dive into that building relationship piece that you were talking about. How do you think directors or coaches can encourage healthy team relationships and kind of foster that? I think that we encourage the the relationship piece. We're together a lot, right? Mm-hmm. We we all we need to sit together and develop our goals. It starts there. What do we all want? Mm-hmm. That's a team buy-in. Right? So once we get that buy-in, and we, we all want the same thing as the outcome, then and only then at that point, we can de- begin to develop this relationship of how do we get there? And in order to get there, we must agree that this is how we're going to treat each other. That's so good. This is how we treat each other. Mm-hmm. Regardless of the situation, this is how we treat each other. And I think that when we create these goals, they need to have a They need to be measurable, of course, right? Mm -hmm. But they need to have what happens if we don't obtain this. We have to have a pivot. Right. We're going to do step B instead. Uh What happens if I don't uphold my end of this? I, as part of the goal or the our team culture motto, we're all, we all will come to practice on time and prepared. Right. But what happens when we don't? And we have to remind each other. Remember, we all agreed Mm -hmm. on August the 1st, 2022, that this was our goal. These are the steps we would take to get there. If we fall short, we would pivot and we'll do this. If we don't all do this, 
as far as showing up on time and being prepared and doing what we're supposed to do to reach our goal, this is how we would react. Mm -hmm. And so if we, I think when you, when we all have that commonality, then you begin to build those relationships because now we can hold each other accountable because we all want the same thing. Right. Yeah. And it kind of presets, predetermines some of that, that stuff that would come in our way. Right. And those reactions, like you said. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We can predetermine all those things so that no one's shocked or surprised. Right. So why is she looking at me like I, I did something wrong? Well, you did. Uh-huh. You're not prepared today. <laughs> yep. But these are the consequences for not being prepared. And I think part of that relationship, that healthy relationship piece is understanding that we're all human. Mm-hmm. We all fall short. We all have bad days. We have to pick each other up. Yeah. Being there. So while holding each other, yes, while holding each other accountable, we still have to realize the human aspect comes into place. Mm-hmm. And we have to pick each other up. We're going to all make mistakes. That's what we all do it. Mistakes happen, but we have to pick each other up. Mm-hmm. We want it to be more about the team. And I'm going to go there because I feel like this is the part that tears our teams down the most is when we begin to develop leaders on the team. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be the head officer, but I didn't get the head officer spot. Now I feel like I'm no longer a part of this team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a real thing that happens a lot. It happens. It happens a lot. Mm -hmm. And so I think that in part of building this healthy team atmosphere, I feel like so many of our educators could really start and directors. When you begin the officer trials for the next year, 2022 is about to come to a close. When you begin prepping for 2023, I encourage more conversations with what it takes to be a leader, what it takes to just be a team member. You don't have to have a title in order to lead your team. What happens if I don't? And if I cannot accept the outcome, don't try. Yeah. I hate to say it that way. Some people will disagree with me, Rachel, but we have to have those real conversations because there are just some people that cannot accept what the outcome might be. Yeah. Coming into it with that mindset of, I need to be committed to this one way or the other, whatever happens. Yes. Or else, yeah, that's yes, I not going to be a... It won't be healthy. Yes. Because now you've put, if I don't get my what I want for myself, then now I'm back on the team and it's not healthy. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes it's not healthy. We've all seen it as dance educators and dance directors. Right. It's very unhealthy. And so I think our, my, our friends... And do some different things that are preparing and really keep it really high level. It's about the team. It's not about you. We need this healthy culture to be infused throughout our team, regardless of who the leaders are. If the leaders walk out of the room, you can tell a healthy organization when the leader leaves and the organization can still function. That's good. So good. Okay. You don't want your organization only functioning because you are the leader. Right. Then you're not. You're a micromanager. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Exactly. exactly. And so teaching those teaching those kids the very same thing, I think is really, really, really critical. So good. And I love something you said earlier that I'm going to circle back to is the idea of celebrating as a team and having kind of that culture of celebrating. And why do you feel like celebration is so important? And then also like celebrating the small things like you, you had said, you know, it may not be 
that we're at the level of winning a state championship or something like that. But, you know, how can we celebrate day to day and create that culture? I think that learning to celebrate and celebrate often and together is part of what creates a healthy team relationship as well. I think they go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. I think when we we can celebrate those around us just for the little things that they do. Even if it's our, I have gone five straight days and I have worn the right practice top every single day. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's your job. You should wear the right practice top, but that may cause for a celebration. I think that we never know what is going on internally with some of our students. And mm-hmm. I think we have to tap into that. Some of these kids never get recognition. Mm-hmm. They never get celebrated. They are not the best dancers sometimes. Some of them are not our most talented kids. So I think you figure out ways to put different things up in your dance space that can celebrate. Try to reach out and celebrate everybody at some point. And I'm not talking fun, fair, positive soccer. That is not Mm -hmm. what I'm talking about. And I don't mean anything by that. But you know what I mean, where everybody gets the trophy because we're over trophy. We, we, we overdo that so much in our society. Mm-hmm. But I do think that celebrating where someone started and where they have come, even if it's something simple and small, is truly important mm-hmm. for everybody. Everybody likes a little success. The other part that I'm going to say in this segment about this mm-hmm. is that we need to teach our kids to trust the process. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes we are so product driven that it's just about the product. If we are teaching a process, creating a culture, all of this goes hand in hand, part of the process, right? Right. We're teaching them how to work together. We're teaching them how to be a team. We're also teaching them the technique and the performance levels that they need to be at. We're teaching them how to respect each other. All of this is part of the process. If we trust the process and pour into the process, Mm -hmm. the product, the end product will be way better than any of us has ever seen. Yeah. Because we poured into the process. Mm -hmm. And so that is my challenge for people is think about your process. From the day these students walk into your dance room, what is my process? And everything needs to be intentional. Mm-hmm. And then the product is going to happen. We'll celebrate a little bit along the way. We'll fall off the wagon mm-hmm. and we'll have to get them back on and teach them how to be good teammates. But we'll keep going and we'll celebrate a little bit more along the way and we'll keep moving. Mm-hmm. And then our end product, whatever we put on the, the football field, whatever we put on the basketball court, whatever we put on the stage will speak for itself. Mm-hmm. Because we have an airtight process in place. So that's my challenge. Oof, good challenge. Yes. And I think everyone can take that and apply it to whatever situation they're in. Dance team director, teacher, administrator, business owner, whatever that is, you know, pouring that energy into the process. I love that. So one of the areas that I think we all deal with in life as humans (laughs) is conflict, you know, and a relational conflict. So do you have any practical or effective ways to help teach conflict resolution? You know, I think that oftentimes what I find, and I have a high school student, he's 15, and we have these conversations often, whether it's in his choir program or 
his baseball team. Mm-hmm. How do you resolve issues that come your way? Yes, mom could always run over to the school and I could intercept every situation, but that's not the human that I'm raising. Mm-hmm. Right. You first, the first thing that I always tell my son Bradford is I want you to determine what role did you play, if any, in this situation? That's question number one. Write it down on a piece of paper. That's great because it's kind of reflection first. Yeah. And looking at ourselves. Correct. Yeah. Right. We want to teach them that you have to be, I don't want you to be reactive about a situation. Mm-hmm. I want you to be proactive about it. So if, if it's happened once, let me now talk you through this so that you can create a plan yeah. or if these types of conflicts should happen again. So what role, if, if any, did you play in this situation and be honest? Mm-hmm. Because it's only going to help you when you're honest about it. Write it down. Step two, once you've determined your role and how you handled it, how do you plan to address it? Do you plan to not do anything at all and turn the other cheek and just look away and pray that it goes away? Mm-hmm. Or do you plan to call your friend or call or, or have a meeting with your teacher, whatever, or your coach, whatever that is, right? Right. And have a sit down. And I think it's a sit down and it's an honest sit down. When this happened, I felt like this. I realized that my part in this situation was this. Mm. And for that, I apologize. But your reaction made me feel like this. Mm-hmm. And once we're done, we have to walk away and agree that we're still teammates. We are still in this for our team or you are still my teacher. And I want to soak up all of the knowledge that you have to provide me. But I'm hoping that we never have to go down that road again. Mm. So I think teaching them how to sit down, we shy away from so many things now and we don't face it head on. Mm -hmm. And then we all are holding this anger inside that no one knows about. (laughs) I'm not talking to her. Well, why are you not talking to her? Because she's not talking to me. Well, what happened? Uh Right. We we Mm -hmm. We see it all the time. It's so real. And so someone has to be the bigger person. And so I encourage my director, my teacher friends to teach the kids how, how to just be the bigger person and have an open conversation. We're not pointing fingers. We are on the same team. We want the same thing. Mm -hmm. How do we get there? How do we really get there? And that's a hard task for younger, younger kids to figure out. But our kids are so engulfed in so many different activities and sports. And it's not like it was when I was growing up. We, we weren't that competitive and that the pressure wasn't put on us mm-hmm. to do certain things. These kids are doing everything by age eight or nine. Mm-hmm. Big things. That's true. And so we now have to have these conflict resolution conversations so much earlier. Mm-hmm. So much earlier. And we need to also impress upon them. We never want to make somebody feel like we don't want to feel. Mm, Okay. Yeah. So I don't ever want someone to feel a certain way that I don't feel. If I don't want to feel pushed to the side, if I don't want to feel like I'm not a part of the team, if I don't want to feel like I don't have a voice, if I don't want to feel like the little bit that I bring to the team is really impactful to the whole group, 
Mm-hmm. Don't make someone else feel that way. Mm, that's powerful. Because that's not how you would want to feel. Yeah. That's such a good perspective and kind of question to keep in the back of our minds when we're dealing with situations and so great. So practical. I love it. So we can definitely apply that. And I'm curious for, you know, you think back to yourself at 21 coming in as a new director, you know, people that are stepping into a new role, whether it's at a new school or they're coming into a program with history, any advice or first steps that you encourage them to take? So someone going into a new role, a new position, new school, first steps. I think it goes back to what we discussed earlier, relationships. Yep. I think that's your first step. They don't know you. You don't know them. I think that you have to go in and you have to be genuine and really authentic about building those relationships. Mm -hmm. And if you do that, everything else begins to fall into place. I think you also have to take a step back and observe what's happening around you. Don't go in with assumptions. Ask a lot of questions. Meet with everybody that's already a part of that organization and figure out what's the pulse of the organization. So then you can figure out how you can play a role in that particular team, school, leadership position, wherever you are. I can think back to when I joined the team in Alvin ISD. I didn't know a whole lot about Alvin ISD. Um, I, I had some dear friends down there in Eve Robinson and Elaine White. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of gave me a little bit of background. I had done a lot of research online, but you can only find so much. You can't get the pulse of the organization, of the culture of the organization by looking online, right? Mm-hmm. So I had to. I didn't know a lot. So I had to meet with people in the elementary music department. Tell me what your needs are. How do you value? How do you feel like? elementary music is valued here. What are some big things that you would like to see done? I did the same thing with the art department, theater, music, band and choir, the dance department, which is how I got the junior high dance out of them, that that was something they wanted and valued. Mm -hmm. We need more money. We need more funding. This is what we're trying to do. That's how you, you go in and you sit and you talk to people. If you put it on the scale of a dance team director, that's similar to what they would do with their dance officers and their social officers. Mm-hmm. They would go in and they take a pulse. You can't make assumptions. I saw them competing at competition and I know they're good. So all must be well, not necessarily. Mm-hmm. You want to take a pulse of the organization. So you go in immediately and your only goal when you step into a new position is to observe, talk to people and build relationships. So good. So typically on the podcast, I kind of wrap up with, do you have any advice for other artists? But I'm changing that up this series. So kind of shifting it to encouragement that you may have for directors or coaches. And then also if you have a word of encouragement for students, so they may listen or that their directors can maybe pass along to them. For sure. So my encouragement that I give to directors and coaches, and I say it every day, the pay is little. The hours are long. The thank yous, they they don't come very often. We know that. But the impact that you make, the impact will last, can last, should last an entire lifetime. And so everything that you do, do it as though every single one of those kids, when they leave you, 
will A, sing your praises, chase you down in the grocery store, Mm -hmm. stop you when you're shopping in the mall, call you when they get ready to graduate from college, invite you to their wedding when they get married, invite you to their baby shower when they have their first baby. Mm -hmm. Okay. All of those things. That that's the type of impact that you want to leave. So even when the times get rough, even when it's the troublesome kid, even when it's the parent that you are not a fan of, treat them all as though this is the legacy and impact I want to leave regardless. I didn't do that early on in my career, mm-hmm. but I learned it. I learned it. Yeah. That that was something that was most important to me. If they say nothing else, they will always say she was hard. She didn't give us any leeway, but I know one thing: she cares. Mm-hmm. She cares. So show them how much you care every single day, even when it's not easy. Yeah, that's beautiful. So good for the students. I would say, as I tell my own son and and my my little girl, my daughter, be open to receive. Mm -hmm. Everything is not always going to go your way. There's always someone that can do it better, but you do your best. And as long as you know, you've done your absolute best, that's all that we ask for. And you have to be okay with that. You may not get the first chair in the region choir, You may not get the first place when you're doing your dance solo, but did you do your best? Mm -hmm. So don't stop doing your absolute best and everybody's best looks different. Right. Don't measure yourself against someone else's best because we're all unique in our own way. And that is my encouragement is to stop comparing ourselves to others and compare yourself to yourself. Yes. So good. So good. Yeah. Well, this has been so much fun. And one question that I like to wrap up on for all my conversations, just to kind of have a little fun together is what is one of your favorite things right now? And that could literally be anything. You know, one of my favorite things to do, honestly, is to watch, and this is personal, my own personal children as they grow as humans. Yeah. I'm enjoying that ride. My son is 15 in high school. My daughter is 11 in fifth grade. Mm -hmm. And watching them grow as humans and become their own people, build relationships, gain friends, lose friends, Mm -hmm. become competitive, witness heartache when when they aren't successful at some things. Watching how they are navigating this thing called life, <laughs> especially after COVID, is what right now truly is is a bright star for me. Oh, yeah. Um, and watching them, and I am I'm the most proud mom, and probably like every other mother, but I'm super proud. They're not perfect humans, mm-hmm. but they are growing and they are they are enjoying life, even the obstacles that are thrown their way. And that is right now, honestly, and I know that's kind of crazy, but right now. That is my favorite thing to do right now is to watch my kids as they grow into their own. I love it. That's so special for sure. So I would love to let people know how they could connect with you if they have questions or just want to get to know you more. So what's the best way for them to do that? You know, they can always, um, I'm on Facebook, Lakeisha White McGowan, or they can hit me on Instagram at L-M-A-C-K-0-8. 
those are the best ways. And of course, they can always go to the Katie ISD website and look at our fine arts page and send me an email. And I would love to connect. I love sitting and talking with dance educators. I love talking to their kids as well. Um, I bring a very friendly, fun feel when I'm working with with educators and when I'm working with their kids. And I usually keep it very real Mm -hmm. for them with real examples. So what you hear, what you see is really genuine. I love being able to make an impact in this type of way. And so please, if anybody needs anything, please do not hesitate to reach out to me. I would love to connect and to, to chat or just even continue this conversation offline with other people. Yes, that would be incredible. And I'm guessing, will you be at TDEA this year in January? I will absolutely be at TDEA in January. All they have to do is find any of my KDISD dance team directors and they will know exactly where to find me. Um, I'll be an administrator workshops. And there's also two workshops uh, at convention that I will be a part of as well. So if they look at the schedule, they'll be able to find me um, at TDEA as well. Perfect. Well, that'll be amazing. I'm really excited to get to see you in person there as well. (laughs) It's going to be fun just to reconnect. And thank you so, so much for taking the time out of your day to do this. And I just love your passion, your energy, and the love that you have for people. And that's something that's always inspired me about you. So thanks for being here today and just appreciate you. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Thank you so again. Thank you so much for even thinking of me um, and having me on. I love the work that you are doing. So please keep up the good work that you're doing and really trying to make an impact in a different way because I do think that we need that in our industry. So again, I feel blessed and fortunate to be surrounded by people like you who trust me mm-hmm. enough to to be a voice on your particular show. So thank you so much for that, Rachel. And yes, I look forward to seeing you in January and hopefully we'll connect again soon. Yes, thank you so much, Lakeisha. What a great conversation with Lakeisha. I love her wisdom and her practical and real approach to leadership. I loved how she broke down how to teach conflict resolution skills. And I know for myself, I'll probably be going back to re-listen to this conversation. This series has been so much fun. And next week is actually going to be our last week in this mini series with an incredible guest, Chelsea Parati. Dr. Chelsea Parati has a PhD in sports psychology, and many of you may have seen her work with Passionate Coach. She also is a fellow podcaster with the Passion for Dance podcast, and I love our conversation and cannot wait to share it with you guys. As always, you can find all the links we mentioned in today's episode, the full show notes, and additional resources on our website, creativeimpactpodcast.com. If you've been enjoying this series and this podcast, I invite you to share the show with a friend. You can also check out our Patreon community if you are interested in supporting the podcast by monthly donations. Within the Patreon community, you get access to bonus content and can connect directly with me and other patrons. You can learn more at creativeimpactpodcast.com slash Patreon, or by just going to our website and clicking on Patreon in the menu. Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Impact Podcast. The music for the show was produced by Michael Cash. Until next time, remember that you were designed to create. You were made to inspire. Continue living with purpose and making an impact. I hope you have a fantastic Thanksgiving and I will see you next week with Dr. Chelsea Parati. Mm-hmm.